1: One of the things that I like to say is that experts don't guess. So if you want to be good at something, you don't just guess. You don't just kind of like fumble with what you think works because what has worked for some people in the bedroom isn't necessarily going to work for the next person. So why are we guessing?
2: I'm Miss Danielle. Welcome to Help a Human Out, the podcast where we talk really openly about things that might be hard to talk about. One of those things that's kind of hard to talk about is sex. That's right, you heard me. Sex, intimacy, lovemaking, whatever you call it, it's not always the easiest to have real conversations about. Am I right? So I'm beginning to realize that my male partner might have some emotional hangups around sex. It's not something that he has a whole lot of interest in doing, either with me or on his own. And I think there are a lot of different reasons why that might be true. I'm really missing that aspect of our relationship, and I'm curious about how I can start a conversation with him in a way that feels respectful and open and empathetic and in a way that doesn't make him feel ashamed. So, full disclosure, uh, this one hit a little too close to home. I have been in relationships with very little intimacy. Hell, I've been in relationships with void of intimacy. Completely none. I know that sounds unbelievable, but it's true. And honestly, I didn't really talk about it that much. Because even if it's a conversation with the person that you are closest to, talking about sex can be really uncomfortable. You can blame public sex education for that if you want. We never learned how to have open and honest conversations about doing the deed Because people say things like doing the deed or bumping uglies. Please don't say that one. It's weird, and it makes all of us feel weird when you say it. The good news is is that there are people who talk about sex, though, for a living. And you know how this show works. Of course. We have an expert on sex. That's what we do. We find the expert. His name is Sean Galanos. He's a certified love coach who runs the popular Instagram account, TikTok, and podcast, The Love Drive. His mission is to help people develop the emotional intimacy required to have loving and connected relationships with themselves and others. Sean is incredible and hilarious. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sean. I wanna make sure That people understand what you do and why you're so knowledgeable about this. Sean, what is a love coach?
1: A a love, it's like, it's like a basketball coach for your heart.
2: Okay, basketball Uh, coach for the heart. I like that. (laughs) I like it. And what is the love drive?
1: The Love Drive is my podcast on uh, love, intimacy, and communication. And I I teach courses on communication and intimacy and I help people build better relationships and have more love in their life. And the primary tool that I use is communication. Really, like how do we talk about things that are uncomfortable? How do we talk about our intimacies? How do we talk about our desires, fears, and boundaries, which is a great tool for um, how to have more closeness in the bedroom? I really think that communication is the best tool that we have to develop more closeness with people. And when we're talking about, you know, this very intimate yep. conversation about sex and about a, a lack of desire or a drop in desire and all of the shame that's wrapped up around that, it's hard. Mm. I just want to recognize that it is hard. We don't have the tools to do this. And at the same time, It's hard, and it's actually quite simple, right? The language required to have these conversations, we all have it.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Sean, so you heard the question, right? Yep. And we know how this works here on Help a Human Out. We get a question, and we're like, "Mm, we got to find someone to answer this question. Here's the interesting part about this question. How can I start a conversation about sex with my male partner, who it seems may have some emotional hangups around sex? When we got this question, Sean, I was like, ooh we." <laughs> I kind of need this insight also. Not in my current relationship, but I was married for five years. And in the five years that I was married, Sean, I kid you not, I had sex maybe 20 times. I'm not exaggerating. Mm-hmm. I'm not being dramatic or theatrical that really happened. And so when this question came through, I said, okay, we got to find somebody to answer this for Jane Doe, but also for so many of us. So Sean, please help us out. How do we, how do we do this with our partners?
1: I mean, so many things play into this and, and yeah, I think toxic masculinity or the mask that men have to wear Mm -hmm. does all of us a disservice really a disservice in finding a common ground when exploring sexuality. And, you know, Jane has some ideas. Um, and, and it's hard to really go into this in full detail without Jane here, right? Because I'd, I'd love to know what Jane thinks, you know, what she thinks the emotional hangups are about. But I guess what really it comes down to is that there's a lack of communication. Fundamental communication between our partners, between what we want and what they want. And what happens is we start to tell ourselves stories, right? I mean, I'm kind of curious, in your past relationship, did you tell yourself stories about why your partner didn't want to sleep
3: with you?
2: Well, yeah, I, of course I did, because it didn't make sense to me. Because I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Men are supposed to always want sex. And then I wanted sex all the time. So then I was like, wait, is something wrong with me? <laughs> because, like, maybe I, I was telling all types of lies. I was saying, okay, maybe he doesn't have a sex drive. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not attracted, or he's not attracted to me anymore. Maybe it's because we had these babies. Maybe it's this, maybe I, I was trying to figure it out. I couldn't. There w I tried everything. I changed my whole wardrobe. I turned myself into a damn court gesture. Nothing worked.
1: did you talk about it?
2: Well, sort of <laughs> i mean <laughs> I mean, it was hard right but like, it's like it's not like you always have the tools to talk about it and and clearly Jane Doe was like, this would be the person you should be able to have those conversation with. She is uncomfortable having this conversation with her partner. And I was too, because it didn't make sense to me. I had been taught this thing, and this thing was not aligning with what was happening in my life. So I was like, who lied to me? (laughs) Who told me that
1: men? Everybody, right? Everybody. Yeah, everybody. Um, Gosh, this is so nuanced and it's so complex. And yes, our partner should be the person that we can that we can talk about sex to. And Mm -hmm. it's incredibly common for people not to right? Because we don't have the tools, because we didn't have role models. I mean, for the most part, we didn't see our parents or our caretakers talking about sex. We weren't around for it. And for the most part, that probably didn't even happen. And if you have role models, yeah, right. I mean, it didn't happen. And if it did happen, you weren't around to hear that stuff. And we have zero communication education. We have zero relational relationship education. So we're all kind of fumbling around, hoping that they will want what we want. Mm-hmm. And the toxic masculinity piece or how men are supposed to act, quote unquote, is really harmful because libido is complex.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: men are also emotional creatures and they are moody and there are things that affect their desire, but we're just not conditioned to talk about it because there's, there's a lot of shame wrapped up in if... If I'm a man, I should want sex often. And if I don't, then there's something wrong with me. What's tricky is that you, and you, you said it too, you thought that there was something wrong with you.
2: I absolutely so you, did.
1: Yeah. You internalize the lack of desire as, a, as something wrong with you rather than th- quite possibly that there's a lack of libido or a lack of desire or lack of wanting to be in the relationship, a lack of curiosity around why is there a lack of... Or a, or a drop in our desire in our relationship.
2: How common How common is this? Like in the sense of like, you know, Jane Doe, she wrote us this message, She or she messaged us. She wanted to know. Um, I had a similar experience. I remember when I finally talked about it, how so many women, you know, direct messaged me. They like slid in my DMs. They were like, oh my gosh, me too. All of a sudden, all these women started coming forward and they were saying like, no, my husband or my partner, or this is not happening. And lots of people were saying this. And I was like, what is happening? What are we not? Are we? Is this just so taboo that we're all lying to each other and nobody's being real about it? And so now we don't even know what's real or a fallacy.
1: Men are 100% invested in showing that there's nothing wrong with their Desire, or with mm. their ability to maintain an erection, or with yep. their ability to please uh, their partner. Because wow. if they can't, it means that they're less than. And I'll be the first to say that. Like I'm 38 years old. Uh, for two or three years, I my sex drive was like in the in the tank. I was just not. I, I wasn't excited. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't excited. I wasn't excited about going on dates. I wasn't in in a relationship, but I wasn't excited about going on dates. I wasn't excited about sleeping with anybody. I had less morning erections. And I was concerned. You know, I went to see a doctor. I bet you were. I was concerned.
2: Of course you were. You woke (laughs) up and you were like, what is happening here? We got to fix this.
1: How come I'm not getting I I was getting less spontaneous erections, less morning erections. I took testosterone tests. They came back regular. I was like trying to hack my sleep. I was trying to eat Brazil nuts because they were supposed to increase my (laughs) testosterone. I was doing it all. You were like, I'm going to
2: fix this.
1: And there was nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong. It's just that I was in a a low period in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I was in like my mid to late 30s and there is a drop in desire. There's a drop in testosterone. There's a drop in... Um, excitement levels. And so, it was kind of normal to a certain degree. And also, I want to report that now I'm in a really fulfilling, loving, close, intimate relationship and the desire is through the roof. More desire than I've experienced Mm, in the last decade.
2: You, You said something earlier. You said men are emotional creatures too. And I think people forget that because... We do. We just think, oh, men are macho. This is what it is. And they keep it moving and they're tough. They don't cry. All these things, all these ridiculous standards. And I'm sorry that the world has put these standards on you anyway. But what what I learned is that he was emotionally disconnected. And because he was emotionally disconnected from all of it, he couldn't get an erection when it came. It wasn't even like he wasn't physically attracted to me. He just He physically could not have sex with me because he was emotionally disconnected. And when I tell you he said that to me and it made sense, but it took years for him to say that. We weren't even together when he said that. I was like, Mm. hold up. Like, we were married. We had a partnership. We had two babies. And you could not tell me that this is what it is. So I think when it comes to sex, and and I'm not the expert, you are, but when it comes to sex, is it the fact that the communication piece is something you you, you talk about. That communication piece is so important. So... How, do, how should people handle this in the sense of like, hey, I'm starting this relationship. Do we start our relationship and say up front, like, listen, we need to be honest about what we want sexually, what we need. And it's going to evolve, right? It doesn't stay the same. How do we have those conversations from the get-go so that you're not five years in scared to talk to your partner about what you want and what you need, and especially if those desires are changing?
1: Yeah, you start on date three or date four or before you have sex. And you, you, you establish the baseline. This, this is something that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about, before we even have sex, we're going to talk about why we're excited to have sex with each other. We're going to talk about the things that we like to do or that we'd like to do to each other. And that's sexy. Talk about, yeah, it's sexy. Yes. We're going we're gonna to talk about our sexual health. We're going to talk about the last time we got tested. We're going to talk about... Um, our sexual health practices, what we use barriers for, what kind of barriers we use. We're going to talk about all of that before we even have sex because then we sort of establish this is what we do. We're the, we're the type of people who talk about sex. We're going to talk about sex before sex, during sex, We're going to check in. How does this feel? Is there something that would feel better? Tell me if you like it. We're going to be vocal. We're going to try. I mean, (laughs) this is an ideal, by the way. And then we're going to talk about sex after sex.
2: Yes, like, was it good for you? You know, when you see in the movies and they're laying next to each other and usually some guy's smoking and smoking kills, so I don't know why that's happening, but they're laying in bed and he's smoking a cigarette. I don't know what movie this is, but it's just happening. And then he rolls over and he looked at her and he's like, was that good for you? And I was like, do people do that shit? But here's the thing, it's sounding like that's what we're supposed to be doing.
1: And not only was that good for you, but what was the favorite, what was your favorite part?
2: Or was there anything that you didn't like?
1: Sure. So open-ended questions, right? What could have been Mm -hmm. better for you? So they can't just say, yeah, it was awesome. And then you're like, cool, after sex conversation, done, pastrami sandwich time, let's go. So developing the practice of opening up and talking about what it is that you like and what it is that you would like and what it is, and and asking them what what do they want. I'm, I'm actually writing a big blog post about... Um, why and how to talk about sex. So, this is very timely. Yes, and one of the things that I want to say it. is we, we need it. It's, it's, it's a very long article, but um, one of the things that I like to say is that experts don't guess. So, if you want to be good at something, you don't just guess. You don't just kind of like mm. fumble with what you think works because what has worked for some people in the bedroom isn't necessarily going to work for the next person. So, why are we
2: guessing? Oh, right? Sean! So say it again. He, you said experts don't guess. No, Ooh, that one gave me goosebumps. Have you? That I mean, one in, in, gave me goosebumps.
1: In life, can you become a business expert by guessing what people Hell want? No. no. You Hell ask no. your clients what they want, and then you give them what they want if you're in a position to give it. So, experts don't guess.
2: Is it mind-boggling to you that somebody in a partnership, many people, and many partnerships? can't talk to the one person they're supposed to be the closest with, can't advocate for their needs, can't tell their partner what they actually want. I feel like so many people are in partnerships and they're just lying to each other and not even like in a, in a way that it's like awful. You know what I mean? It's just like these little half truths or not, or not being fully honest about what they actually require, need in a sexual way from their partner. I feel like people aren't having those honest conversations.
1: Absolutely. Is it mind-boggling? No. Is it deeply, deeply saddening? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I really want people to be able to have loving, fulfilling relationships uh, with their lover in th- that is, has an absence of shame.
2: So how sure. do we do that, Sean? How do we normalize the discussions about sex, about intimacy? How do we do that? Especially how do we do that with our partner?
1: I mean, <laughs> that's how we do it, right? We start with our lovers, and and we so it's sort of two tracks, right? We both heal ourselves and and the wounds that we walk uh, we'll walk around with every day. We do that work, and whatever that looks like, whether it's with a therapist or a counselor or with the close close friends, we we heal that stuff, right? We mm-hmm. all have that, mm-hmm. so it's two. Maybe it's like a seven prong approach, but. You know, we heal what we need to heal. And this happens concurrently with all the other work that we do. And then we, we develop the language and the communication and the courage. Really, it's the courage required to have challenging conversations with our loved ones. And the beauty of this stuff is that the more you do it, the better you get at it. And yes. at first, it's fucking awkward. Mm-hmm. It's very awkward. Have you uh, played tennis before?
2: Yes, I'm not good at it. However, I have played it, to be clear. Okay.
1: At f- like the first time you hit a ball, how awkward was that?
2: Well, it, it's completely awkward. I had never done it before. I mean, I tried. I, I, I tried, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It didn't come easy to me.
1: It's not natural. Like, like grabbing a racket and playing tennis, like for most people, it's not natural. There are like, you know, those naturals, but... Yeah, Serena. Best- <laughs> and and there, are, there are, yeah, exactly. And there are natural communicators as well. That comes easier for them. But when you start to do anything, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be awkward.
3: Mm-hmm. That's
1: just the truth. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. It really does get easier to talk about your desires, your, feels, your, your fears, your boundaries in the realm of sexuality and intimacy. It really does. And the beauty is that the more you do it, the more you empower your partner to do it as well. The more you end up creating a safe environment that says, hey, this is a safe place for us to talk about this stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I know it's hard because I because it's hard for me to do it. But I want to.
2: Okay, we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsors. Led by Olympian sprinter Michelle Lewis-Freeman and wellness coach Jennifer Forrester, Track Girls is a 501c3 nonprofit organization providing girls access to sisterhood, empowerment, and track and field. Programs include grants to provide financial and training resources, empowerment workshops and camps to provide mindset, nutrition, recovery, and performance education tools from world-class athletes, coaches, and industry leaders. And Dream Builders after-school program designed to build a clear path towards the future using a research-based curriculum and speed and conditioning program designed by Michelle and Jennifer. Shop the Track Girls Holiday Guide to purchase a selection of apparel, training equipment, recovery tools, and fun experiences such as a virtual mind and body masterclass with an Olympian. All purchases help raise money for Track Girls programs to provide girls access to education, mentorship, and sport through track and field, a sport that has social, academic, and well-being benefits for girls. You can help raise money through your participation in fun fundraisers, such as their virtual speed series, where adults and youth can participate in sprint distance running challenges. Go to trackgirls.com to shop, donate, or learn more. That's trackgirls, with a Z, Z.com Your purchase or donation will make a difference.
0: Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry?
2: we're back. Sean Galinas is the host of The Love Drive, and today he's answering Jane Doe's question about how to talk to her partner about sex. One of the most interesting sexual experiences is actually with my partner now. um, We are engaged to be married. I love him. He's great. But one time, I slipped up right in the beginning when we were having sex, and I was really into it, and I I let out an I love you that I didn't necessarily (laughs) mean— Right? Nice. I know it was a big mistake. It was, a, but I loved but was the it moment. Though? I, lo- was it I mean, and here, here was the kicker. He didn't say it back and I didn't panic. And he was good with the love I was pouring into him, but he was like, I'm not telling this girl I love her right now. I'm not ready. And I respected that because it, he could have lied. And he was like, Mm-mm, that's not for me right now. And years later, I'm like, you know why I love you? And he goes, why? I go, because you didn't lie to me. You told me you were you loved me when you were ready. And you didn't lie to me. You said, I'm not telling you this right now. And I just feel like it's such a different experience with him. And because we have this openness and we're able to have these conversations, and we're very vulnerable and we talk about these things, it's been the best relationship and the best sex I've ever had. And so is it a true statement to say that when you start having these conversations, it actually leads to better sex, right?
1: That's the plan.
2: That's the whole point.
1: That's the whole point, Yes. Talking about sex will make you a better lover
3: mm-hmm. there's
1: there's no doubt about it. It will make you a better lover because how can you know what your partner wants if you don't ask them what they want? How can your partner know what you want if you don't tell them what you want?
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: we could be we could be guessing and we could be fumbling and we could be trying. To rely on nonverbal communication. And I'm here to say that that is no longer going to fly.
2: It can't. Right? It Mm -mm. can't fly.
1: We have, there's just been too much has happened with Me Too. We need to have constructive, positive, playful continuous consent along the continuum from the beginning to the end in all relationships. And of course, in long-term relationships, you're going to develop a code of nonverbal language that you can really rely on 100%. I'm not saying you have to ask for the next thing for the rest of your life. But at at first,
3: Mm -hmm. you can't
1: rely on nonverbal. You absolutely cannot. And even in long-term, you have to check in regularly about your sex life about what feels good for you how's it been lately what would you like more of like we you you ask how do we normalize this and there's only really one way to to do that and it's to to start doing it
2: and to keep talking about it right and to
1: keep talking about it and and like when you say how do we normalize this you know i, I kind of read that question in two different ways one is how do we normalize this for like the population at large and i don't think I think that's too big of a task. But what's really possible, how do we normalize this within our relationship? Right. Because in a relationship, you could do whatever you want as long as both people are on board. So we don't really care what most people do. We don't care what a majority of the population, we don't care that they don't talk about sex. We are going to make this a priority because this is important to me. Sexual satisfaction is important to me. I mean, the research is there Couples who talk about sex, married or not, have an increase in sexual satisfaction, especially if they're able to talk about the specific act. So if they're Mm -hmm. able to get down to the granular level, when you touch me like this,
3: I like it. Oh, my God. No
1: one touches me like that.
2: Oh, you're giving us the language. Give us the language. Okay, this is where we need to go.
1: But to have the conversation about Sex and the frequency of sex that you're having with your partner who you think might have hang ups about sex, and you want to have this conversation without um, making him feel ashamed. What you could say is something along the lines of, honey, I love you. And I love feeling connected to you. One of the things that helps me feel close to you is when we have sex. And that hasn't been happening as much lately. And I really miss that aspect of our relationship. I get the impression that you're not comfortable having sex with me as much anymore or that something is preventing us from connecting like we used like we used to. And I'm here to say that I love you, I accept you, and I wanna work on this part of our relationship together. I don't wanna pressure you, but it's important that we spend some time talking about what's going on in our sex life. And I know this isn't easy to talk about, and I'm here to support you and us in figuring out what's preventing us from being intimate more than we have been? Is that something that you're willing to do with me? So this is a great question. I think what might be awesome is if we go back to Jane and we give her the script. Oh my and, God, give Jane the script. He, we're going to give Jane the script and we're actually get, we're, we'll get to what happens when you make a request and somebody says no. Which, by the way, it's like the most normal thing in the world. Like, hey, what kind of pizza? What do you wanna? Do you want Hawaiian pizza? Like, no, nah, I don't really feel like Hawaiian pizza. Okay, that's cool. I guess I'm gonna order Hawaiian. You can order something else. Like, it's basically just a preference, right? Like, I'd love it yeah. if you play with my butt. I'd love it if you play with my butt. Is here? I'm expressing a preference. And if but it's okay no, if you
2: don't. <laughs> I'll play with my it's, own it's, butt.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I can play with my butt while you play with with my pussy. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Right. Exactly. So, okay.
1: <clears throat> to, to answer your question, yeah, you, you kind of do have to talk about this before the moment.
2: Look at how just think... natural, see, I'm blushing right now. You can't see me, Sean, but I am literally blushing. I am a 35-year-old woman. I have pushed two babies out of this vagina, and I am blushing talking about sex. What is wrong with me?
1: Nothing. You're perfectly normal. You're a perfectly ho- normal human being having a normal human physiological reaction to talking about something that we just don't talk about.
2: I don't want to be nervous about this, though. I want to have ownership over my body, like you. Well, just, like
1: you're playing tennis, girl. You're playing I'm trying. tennis. I'm trying. And I it's, wanna... it's awkward at first. You know what? Whenever I start a new sport, like I played, started playing badminton again, and I was mm-hmm. so, I was just so embarrassed at the mistakes that I was making, and at like how awkward I was playing, and and it makes it worse. It makes playing worse. And I don't know why I keep going back to the sport analogies. But
2: it's okay. We're, we're we're rolling with you, Sean. We're rolling with you.
1: I'm I'm more comfortable playing Badminton now. I'm not I'm less scared. And like I'm less scared to talk about butt stuff and and <laughs> pussy stuff and sex right. stuff. And I mean, there are some great tools out there that I'm happy to share with you on um how to establish the kind of language that makes that feels good for you while like and also for your partner. So finding common language, like please never refer to my Uh, to my genitals as genitals or... Mm -hmm. (laughs) And please only refer to them as pussy. Like, it feels good when you say pussy. It doesn't feel good when you say genitals.
2: Right. And I think people shift too, right? Like, for the longest time, the the P word, it it made me so uncomfortable. Like, I never, ever... And now I'm just like, oh, you know, my pussy. Like, like it's just like, it's a natural evolution for me. And it's so comfortable for me to say those things. And what I love about it is that, you know, you're making me feel like I'm not crazy. Um, you're making me, I don't like the word crazy. That's, that's not really the right word. You're making me feel like it's okay to have these thoughts and it's okay to have these questions. And not only is it okay, it's completely normal. And so Jane Doe's question isn't, isn't out of the blue for you. You, you know that many people feel this way. Many people have these questions, right?
1: It's the most natural question. Like, how can I talk to my partner about sex who doesn't want to have sex anymore? Like, I can't think of a more common question. Mm. How can I talk about something, if we break it down, that I'm not comfortable talking about and that I've never seen anybody talk about? How are we supposed to do this stuff? We've never seen it done in a way that makes sense. We've mm-hmm. never seen, we've never been, we, we don't have models. We've never been shown this stuff. We don't have a guidebook on how to talk about sex. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are mm-hmm. books out there, but for the most part, we're not seeking out that, those resources unless right. you're deeply passionate about it, right? Like I've got hundreds of books on love and sex. Like that's what I do. But Jane is probably an expert in something else and she's got books on that stuff and that's stuff I don't know about. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we do have to get a little bit, of we do have to get curious and we do have to spend some time, energy and resources to solving the problems that that are important to us. They're not just going to solve themselves on their own.
2: You know, as a teacher, so in my non-podcasting time, I spend time in a first grade classroom um, and well, pre-COVID. But <laughs> one of the biggest things about being an educator is we always say it's so important to foster a culture of error or a culture of curiosity. And I believe that to my core. I want the kids in my space to be able to ask any question and feel safe. I'm confused as to how, as an educator, I recognize how unbelievably important that was for my students, but I didn't recognize how unbelievably important it was for myself and my relationships. What was like, why did I have that disconnect to know that my students should be able to be curious about anything, should be able to ask questions without feeling like they were going to be judged or it was a bad question? Why do I not show myself and why does many people, men, women, whoever, not why do we not show ourselves that same kind of grace of saying like, hey, this is a culture of error. We get to ask these questions and we get to make these mistakes and we get to trial and error this thing. And then eventually we can land where we want to be. I don't understand how I want to give these things to other people, but I won't demand them for myself.
1: We are our biggest critics and mm-hmm. a lot of us feel inadequate and not worthy of love.
3: Ooh. Mm-mm.
1: I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, I have been in, my, in the past incredibly harsh on myself. I talk or have talked or spoken to myself in ways I would never Speak to anybody.
2: Yeah, of course you have. Like, absolutely. Mm. So,
1: I don't know. We're just kind of used to being hard on ourselves. We're also grown up in a culture that demands more and more and more, and that we need to do more. We need to work more. We need to be more open. We need to be more intimate. We need to, you know, raise the kids perfectly. We need to be perfect at work. Mm. We are, we're machines. We're expected to be machines, but in reality, we're soft, wounded, emotional beings that never really got the kind of relationship education, intimacy education, self love education that we all really require.
2: Yeah, so and and I'm I'll tell surprised. you like culturally, culturally on a different level too. I, I was talking about this with my best friend actually. On a cultural level, she she she's a nurse practitioner and she said she's always mind blown by some of the beliefs that people have, like legitimately, like a, a parent will say something and she's like, "Oh my god, they don't know their anatomy or they don't like they literally don't know this." And I said to her full full vulnerability, full transparency, I said Claire, I'm not even sure I know my entire anatomy. Like, I'm not Mm. so positive. I (laughs) was—this one's a tough one, but hell, YOLO, and we're helping a human out, so whatever. Mm. I was 21 years old the first time I masturbated. I was terrified of all things sex. I mean, I had sex, but I didn't know anything about my body. I was 21 years old the very first time I masturbated, and I know that sounds like, what— but there was so much shame around it for me. And it, it was something that I was like, mm, no, this is not for me. I Now, let me tell you, it's a whole different ballgame, okay? I'm, we, we could have a whole other conversation on that. I love me some me. But I was 21 years old and I had not even ever explored that. And I'm just mind blown by how little we know sometimes about our bodies and all these things. And just like the right way to navigate this, because I'm raising two little girls. I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, and I am constantly feeding them the, your body is yours, you get to, I, I'm never going to be that mom who's like, you got to wait until you're married to have sex. I think that's an awful idea, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to feed that to my kids. You get to know your body. You get to explore your body. Oh, if that's what you're going to do, cool. Do it, Do that in your room, though, because, you know, that's not for everybody. Yeah, visit, but I'm, visits yep. around hmm. Yep. I want them to have complete control. I want them to know their body is theirs. I want them to be so much more powerful and more knowledgeable than I was, you know, and I'm still terrified that I'm going to pass on some of those those ideals that I don't even believe, but I have because society gave them to me. And so I think about Jane Doe. So let's say not only just Jane Doe, right? But all the women, the girls, the the people, the men, everyone who is struggling with having these conversations. let's. So Jane Doe sits down with Jermaine Doe, and she's ready to have this conversation. Let's role play a little bit. Sean?
1: Before we do that, I just want to say that you not masturbating until the age of 21 sounds perfectly normal. What? Seriously? As in like, as in like I just don't think it's that big of a deal.
2: Well, every all my friends did. They thought, I, they thought I was a damn leper. They thought something was wrong with me. And I was shamed and I felt bad about it. And damn it, I started doing it only because I was getting made fun of. And, and it was just the worst thing. But now I'm good with it and it's all good. But I was like, what's wrong with me? Why is everybody talking about this? And then there's me over here who's like, yeah, that's just not for me. <laughs> like,
1: First of all, normal is a button on a washing machine, right? It's a yeah, setting. That there is no normal. You had the experience that you had. I, I I don't think there's any room for shame in sexuality because of how damaging it is. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: I just want to give you space for having had that experience that is maybe unlike a lot of people that you knew, but that I don't actually find problematic in any way.
2: See, where were you at, Sean, when I was 21 and scared?
1: (laughs) This is, just, I don't know where I, uh, where I was. Where were you in your
2: podcast?
1: I was, was 20, my love coach? I was 24, so I was just about to get sober. So I was most likely partying in San Francisco and uh, creating a lot of damage in my life, probably. Mm,
2: mm, and in my relationships. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. so, At least you look like great self-awareness. Okay, so Jane Doe is sitting down with Jermaine Doe.
1: So before, before Jane and Jermaine sit down, I want them to set up a time to talk. So for, for this not to come out of the blue. Because if you've never had this conversation, if you've never had this conversation, you can't just, you know, spring it on, spring it on Jermaine, he's going to flip out.
2: But how, but here's the thing, Sean, quick question. You know how when you send, the, send uh, men, or and this is not, this is completely generalization, obviously, but when you, you send your partner a message or a man a message and you're like, hey, babe, can we talk? Instantly, he's panicked. So how does, how does Jane have this conversation without panicking Jermaine?
1: Hey babe, I've been thinking about our physical connection lately, and I'm wondering if we could find some time in the next week to sit down and talk about it. Ooh,
2: come on! Look at you, just ready with it. Hey babe, I've been thinking about our physical connection, and I was just hoping we could sit down and find some time to chat. Winky face, no winky face. Are you, you up face. for it? Are you, you know, up I, for I, it?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't text this, by the way. Um, I feel that text message, and and I know this is a generational thing is really only good for sending one-way love bombs. You know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, just thinking of you. I I just am so glad that you're in my life or whatever. I saw a peach today that made me think of you or whatever. Actually, I was going to say, <laughs> that's too sexual. I saw an Anyways, eggplant today. <laughs> I, saw, I saw an eggplant, exactly. So that or, or like... Uh, real low-stakes banter, you know?
3: Okay, yeah. Um,
1: and even then, that, that's annoying for me. Or logistical, like, hey, what time are you coming over? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, if there's any sort of emotion, emotional charge or it could be uh, fragile or uh, someone could get hurt, I would much rather have it over the phone. But mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's okay to text, hey, I've been thinking about our physical connection or honey, I'd love to find some time for us to connect this week and talk about our sex life. Are you free to do that?
2: I love it, and okay. So, so at this point, Jane has put it out there. Jermaine has said, "Okay, he's like, sure, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have this conversation with you, Jane, because I care." So, Jane and Jermaine are sitting down. Tell us about this script, Sean.
1: So, the first thing before we even talk about what we want to talk about, we want to, we want to preface the conversation. And I want to recognize that sometimes the setup to all of this is longer than the actual conversation. I bet it is because you're nervous. it's, It's important. It's really, really important. So the setup for having any hard conversation is to say something along the lines of, hey, I'm not really sure how to say this because I don't have a lot of experience talking about this. And I'm actually kind of scared, but you're important to me. And so, this conversation is worth having.
3: Mm, mm -hmm.
1: Another variation of that is I have to tell you something important and I'm not sure how to do it. I might fuck this up. Sometimes we think that we have to have it all figured out before we bring it to our partner. And that's not true. You can actually bring out a half fleshed out thought, something that you want to run by them or a thought that you had to spark a conversation. You don't have to have it all figured out. And I think people, they 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 prevent themselves from having these conversations because they don't have it all figured out but sometimes having the conversation with your partner will help you figure it out
3: right right so
1: the the setup is is basically what you said hey i got something i got to tell you i might fuck this up but it's worth having because i love you
2: i love it and it's you, you make it sound so simple, but like...
3: It is. Like for real, it is. You,
2: you Exactly. And when you hear somebody, especially a love coach, when you hear a love coach tell you something like that, you're like, oh, shit, that makes sense. But me, like sitting in my little reading nook, I'm like, I just want to say this. And it sounds like, <laughs> oh, this is going to blow shit up. But you're just like, hey, babe, I just want to talk to you. You know, I just want to make sure we're good and our sex is good and I love you. And it might come out a little disjointed, but it's all love. And I, I want to have sex with you and I want to have good sex with you. So... This is a good conversation to have. And, and when you say it like that, it's like, oh, okay. This could be a little easier than I imagined. <laughs> it's like it you got well, to take that leap.
1: You do have to take the leap. I do want to say that it's simple, not easy. Mm-hmm. Right? The steps are pretty basic. We all have this language inside of us. The courage to go through with it is a completely different thing. And unfortunately, you kind of just got to fucking do it. You know, you got yep. to bite the bullet. You got to, mm-hmm. someone's got to start. Someone's got to go first. Like when Ugh. you, when you, there's two people and they like each other, someone's got to go first.
2: Always. There's always, the, there has to be cause and effect.
1: So do you want to be the person who's, who is on the sideline of your life, that is on the bench watching the game happen without you? Or do you want to do something about it?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you want to be an active participant in your life? by speaking up for the stuff that is important to you. That's what I want for people.
0: I really want people to be
1: active participants in their life and to take their, their sex life, their love life in their
2: hands. Exactly. And we all should. We should be empowered to do that. So many of us are smack dab in these situations and a lot of us don't learn from situations. I have watched people make the same choice over and over again, and I'm like, how are you in the same situation? The universe keeps giving you this to tell you to make a different choice, and you won't. But the way you are, I can hear it. You, first of all, let's just talk about the glow up. You said at 25, you got sober from drugs and alcohol, and now you're taking all the things that you did, and you're using it to help people. I always like to congratulate people on their glow up and to say, look at you. Like, yeah, you had some some trauma and some craziness happening in your life, but look what you did with it, right? So... It just gives me hope for people like Jane Doe and Jermaine, too. Because clearly, if Jane is not getting what she needs, Jermaine's not either.
1: Oh, uh, right? he's he's extra closed up.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. So when we're able—I'm I, I, just like, oh, my goodness, Sean. I could talk to you all damn day about this. Because what I think is happening is that people— because people just aren't having these conversations— People are not living their authentic lives. There's no way you can live your authentic life if you're not being honest about what you need physically. I'm sorry. There's just no way. There's no way. Because some people probably have the freak just hidden inside of them, and they want that freak to come out, Sean. Like, just let it loose. They want to be strapped to a bed. Meanwhile, they're having super vanilla sex, and all they want is to be strapped down to a bed and some Fifty Shades of something or other happening. Right.
1: And maybe, maybe their partner really wants to explore that with them and mm-hmm. they're terrified. They're ter- terrified of even of, of owning that. Right. So there's a lot of fear on both sides. Yeah. Where, yeah, we end up having a pretty, I don't want to, I don't want to knock vanilla sex. I love vanilla sex, but we end up so
2: having a vanilla if,
1: life. You yes. Know?
2: If that's what you want, more power to you. But if it's not I what you vanilla. want. I love vanilla but if it's not what you want you should at least be able to say that right like not i'm not knocking it at all but if that's what you want you should have it but if it's not what you want and you want something else you should also have that too
1: you should put yourself, should, let's, we're not shitting on anybody, you can put yourself in a better position to get your needs met. And when you ask for what you want and your person says no, so we're, we're kind of slowly moving to that question that you asked about 20 yes. minutes ago. Yes, yes. When, when they say no, you now have some really high quality information about how to move forward. Mm -hmm. Do you want to stay in that kind of arrangement where some of your needs aren't being met? And I just had a call with a client today where we agreed that it's okay to actually uh, consciously choose a relationship in which some of your needs aren't being met if you're okay with that. And it's not settling. It's making a decision and saying, I'm getting all these things from you security, safety, fun, someone to have dinner with, uh, vanilla sex every now and then, but I'm not getting whipped and spanked the way I really want to (laughs) be. Right, And I'm I'm okay with that. I'm making a conscious decision to stay in this relationship despite this one thing being missing. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's perfectly fine. We all make those compromises um, all the time. Or you decide, you know what? It's actually really important for me to explore this kinky side of, of me and of my sexuality and I won't feel fulfilled and I won't feel safe in this container where I can't explore that. So now you have more decisions. Do I try to explore that in my relationship? Do I Mm -hmm. leave this relationship and find somebody that's better suited? Because when, when you make a request, somebody says no, okay, now you're in a position to actually make a different request to another, that same request to another person.
2: Oh, snap. See, you have options.
1: You have options, but when you, you don't options. speak up, you're 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 staying small.
2: Mm. And I don't mm-hmm, want mm. you to be small. Let's say you do advocate for your needs. You say, "This is what I want. This is what I need." And I also want to give you what you want and what you need. But like, you got to work with me, and the person still doesn't show up. At what point is that just neglect or like trauma?
3: Mm,
1: I think it. I mean, trauma is, that's a big word, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, it's a, it's a spectrum, little T, big T. Of course. Um, I think at that point, it's more about self-abandonment than anything. Tell me more. So if you make a request and say, hey, I really have a need for more connection and more sexuality and, and more sex in our life, and, and the other person says, yeah, I hear that, but I'm just not available for it. I mean, then you have a decision. You can stay, mm. so, same, same thing with the spanking. You can stay knowing that your partner is not going to be able to meet that need.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's a
1: choice that you're making yourself. But if you continue to stay in that relationship by making a request to somebody who's not able to, to meet that need and you, you stay hoping that eventually they will and mm-hmm. they still are telling you that they're not going to, you're abandoning your desire to get that need met.
2: Ooh, oh my goodness. You, you, Do you know that I have been divorced for... It's been years now. Do you know what you just did for me? You just told me something. I've been in therapy and everything. Shout out to Beth. That's my therapist. She's great. I love Beth. But, <laughs> thank you. I love Beth too. But <laughs> you... You said say it again because that one that one made the hair stand up on my arms. You said when you keep requesting something and the person is not going to give it to you, but you stay anyway, say it again. You're abandoned. say it please, because it, it it just filled my spirit and said, This is what you did to yourself. And here's what you're... I don't want. I never want to do that again, Sean. Yep.
3: Ever. Yep.
2: So what yeah, did I you, do?
1: You abandoned yourself.
3: Mm-mm. You
1: and and not only that, you violated your own boundaries. <sighs> And this is hard. And you said is it, it earlier. it weird that actually. I want to cry I... right now? No. And there's room for it.
2: I just, I feel, okay, I'm sorry because I'm getting emotional. Um, and it's been years, right? It has been. And so, whew, but it impacted me so much. And you're absolutely right. Because I knew that I deserved better. I knew mm. that he deserved better. Because if I wasn't getting what I wanted, he wasn't getting what he needed also. And I think, like I've never heard it said like that before, and I didn't anticipate the feelings that came with it, but I absolutely mm. abandoned myself. I gave so much power away to somebody else, and i didn't I didn't advocate no, I, here's the thing. I did feel like I advocated for what I needed. I said it over and over again, but at some point, that shit had to fall back on me and me to say. You have advocated for your needs. You asked for, you told you, you. told your person what is required, what you need to thrive and survive, and they still wouldn't give it to you. And mm-hmm. at some point, I needed to know I needed to walk away. And I did, and it took years, but never have I heard that. And that is what I've been looking for. What did I do? I abandoned myself.
1: I hear you. And you said it earlier. You said that you realized that you were staying in a relationship with someone who didn't want what you wanted. Yeah. So you you figured it out and and you said it was it was it was a real rough realization.
2: It was torture.
1: Yeah, he was doing the best he could.
2: And now I know that, but at the time he just seemed like a whole asshole.
1: Yeah, and and his best at the time wasn't that great.
2: Yeah. Wow. You know,
1: we're all, we're all kind of fumbling around trying to do the best we can. And sometimes, man, our best is just really deplorable. Ugh, we're I just know. not showing up the way we really want to be showing up in relationship. And it's hard. People change. Things happen. We, we develop emotions, patterns. Like it, It's hard work. I, I do want to recognize that, you know, having a, a sustainable, loving, fulfilling relationship on the long term is hard. I don't think we give it enough credit. We we don't give the the work that it requires enough credit. It does require work.
2: And the other part of that is is for people like me, for so many of us, we've never seen that shit before. My my parents divorced super like we haven't seen that. We haven't seen these super healthy relationships. We haven't seen these we haven't seen people sit down and talk about this stuff openly. We don't talk about it openly. We we learn yeah. from TV and podcasts and all these other things, but we haven't we haven't witnessed this. And so for me it was like I didn't know how to do any of this. Hell I'm still sure. learning. You just dropped a bomb on me that it would have been really helpful five years ago. <laughs> but but look, every every day is a new day to learn more.
1: I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. And now you have a little bit more clarity I do. on why you did what you did. And I also want to say that you probably did that because you were hoping that things would change.
2: Oh my god, I was. I was hanging on to it. I really was. And it didn't. And, and, we and, do and that. eventually I, you know, I got out of it, but but man, did I give up so much of who I was to try to stay. And we do that i we... I'm not ever doing that again.
1: Thank God. So the best quote I have on that that my therapist told me is because I was hoping that somebody... I, I kept on going to someone in my life uh, that will remain nameless for something that they were just not available to give mm-hmm, me and would mm-hmm. never be available to give me. And my therapist said, that's like going to the hardware store for bread. <laughs> like, they just Illogical, don't. illogical. They don't sell bread. And every time you... Next day, you come in asking for bread and they're like, yo... This is a hardware store, dude. We don't sell bread. And here I am, hope springs eternal. Hope springs eternal that this person was eventually going to give me what I want if I acted a different way or if I asked in a different way. And the reality is when I do that, I am not accepting reality. I am not accepting this person for being unwilling or unable to meet one of my core basic needs. And so, for me to stay there and to continue to ask and to shapeshift in a different way is is, ab- is abandonment, self abandonment, and, and I'm better off accepting it, uh, dealing uh, with the pain, and finding some somebody else that can at the meet that need.
2: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Message: I did not know. Oh my goodness! So here here's what I I am gonna say. First, I'm gonna say thank you, Sean, because who. The universe brought you here for me today. Jane Doe is going to get her things, but holy hell, I needed this one. Um, What I will say is this. um, Moving forward for Jane Doe and Jermaine and what they got going on, um, I'm going to let you give her the advice as she moves forward. And we did the script and everything, but just give a last little piece of advice. But before you do that, I will say this because I've learned something today that is very important. Whatever decision that you make, Jane Doe, and my my man Sean is going to pop up right behind me and um, give you a little bit more advice. But I will say this. Whatever advice and whatever way you navigate this, do not abandon yourself. And look what you just did, Sean. You gave us the language. You gave us a script. And like you said, make it your own because you know you better than anybody else. Make it your own. But don't abandon yourself. Hmm have the conversations.
1: And here's the thing. If anybody's going through something like this and you're having the realization that you've abandoned parts of yourself or yourself for a relationship that's not a good fit anymore, it's okay. It's okay because what you went through led you to the man that you're with today
2: right, and he's a good man, Sean. And
1: he is a good man, and he's a better man than you thought you could have even dreamed up about. So yep. if you hadn't had that experience with your ex, you might not be here today. Mm. And mm. so I just want to celebrate when we are in the dumps, when it is shitty out there, when we are struggling, and when we realize some really nasty truths about ourselves. there's, I mean, that that is compost for the next part of your life, and you will be richer for it.
3: Hell yes, you will.
1: It's hard to remember, but but it is. You will be better for it.
2: Sean, the gift you gave me today is, like, <laughs> I'm telling you, friend, I'm, I just want to, like, give you a hug and just squeeze you for telling, like, you don't understand. And I hope that as Jane Doe moves forward and she has this conversation with Jermaine, I really, really hope that she understands, like, ownership like you you're you're in control of yourself your body you can only control you you can't make people change you can only advocate for your needs the best way you can and then either that person is going to step up or that person needs to step back and you Boom. have to be you have to be willing for whatever's about to come. I'm sorry. Am I still in your love coaching job? Because I feel good at this right now.
1: (laughs) You're doing it. I mean, you're a teacher. You know, you know, you know, people. We all have this. We all have this inside of us. We really do.
2: Oh my God, Sean, I love you so much. This is okay. Where can people, where can people find you? How can we get you to love coach some more people? How can we figure out our own self-abandonment with you?
1: Well, I have a lot of courses online. Actually, I've been teaching courses for the last year on communication, intimacy, sexuality. I have my latest co- course is Flirting with Confidence. That was a really Hell fun yes. one. Everything lives at thelovedrive. dot the, the love, love drive. So, uh, got it. The podcast is the love drive on Instagram at the lovedrive. You owe me a hug whenever we're in the same place.
2: Friend, you will be lucky if you don't get a kiss on the mouth after this COVID shit. I'm going to be like, come here, Sean. Just give me good love. Little little love. Wrap me in your arms. It'll be all good.
1: My partner is totally fine with that. So I'm I'm great. I'll
2: ask for consent. I'm not going to just do it. I'm (laughs) going to say, listen, friend, I'm going to kiss you because you have healed a part of me that has been hurting for a really long time. And I will be forever grateful. And that is the truth. I'm really happy
1: to hear that. Shit, so am I. That's the gift.
2: Right? Look at us. Look at us. And these are what why we have to have these conversations. We have to have these conversations because if nothing else, we're not going to heal if we don't. We need to heal. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Talk about Ooh. it. Talk mm, about Sean.
2: it. Mm-mm. I'm about to go join the course right now. All right, Sean. Thank you so much. Thank you. I might have said this before, but it's the truth. When I signed up to do Help a Human Out, I was like, yes, let's help some people. Let's help some humans. I really did not understand how much this podcast and hosting this podcast was going to push me, make me self-reflect, bring out all the emotions. But it did. Sean really helped me process a lot of weight that had been on my shoulders, something I had been carrying for years. Oh, my gosh, that concept of (sighs) self-abandonment. Hello. Hello, reality staring me in my face. Something I was looking for for years and couldn't name. Self-abandonment. Wow. When we don't have conversations about these things, we are doing ourselves a disservice. When it comes to the emotional aspects of our relationships, we always talk about opening up and sharing those feelings. Communication is key, right? Communication is what makes a successful relationship we got to realize that that means all communication, even sex, even intimacy. If we take the same concept of communication being key and use it when it comes to sex, we can normalize those talks, which we have to do to have happy and fulfilling sex lives. We have to be able to talk about what we want, what we need, and we all need intimacy. Whatever form of intimacy that is, we all need some form of intimacy. And if I've ever advocated for anything, I'll tell you what, what it is. Always advocate for your needs. And like Sean said, talking about sex with your partner is gonna make it better for both of you. So this isn't just benefiting you, it's benefiting both of you. I really wanna thank Jane Doe for sending in her question. We got a lot out of that conversation. And I want to thank Sean for his time and his expertise. This is what we do. Every episode, we will take one question and find an expert to answer it. If you have a question you want answered, please send a recording of yourself to podcast at stillkicking.co. Help a Human Out is a Still Kicking podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are listening. And guess what? Still Kicking is launching Help a Human Out merch this month. Subscribe to our email list at stillkicking.co slash news to be the first to know when it's available. I'm so excited. I'm your host, Miss Danielle. Our executive producer is Nora McInerney. Our associate producer is Emma Martins. Our audio production is done by Red Rock Music. And you can learn more and donate at stillkicking.co slash podcast.